0: Hey, it's Mike. We were going to talk about this during the show, and I totally forgot about it because of all the other topics you're going to hear later in the show. But I want to tell you guys about this new product. Um, You guys know I'm a tea drinker, big tea drinker. Uh, Check out this site called TeaZen, T-E-A-Z-E-N.com. All their products are basically based around green tea. It's a liquid green tea concentrate. It's enhanced with herbs and vitamins to target specific wellness concerns that you may have. Um, I have the stress. I have the sleep. I have the uh, the vitamin C one for immunity. My dog loves it too. Okay, no, I don't give it to the dog. Um, but it's real simple: one dropper in any beverage, hot or cold. Stir and enjoy. Um, flavors are great. I, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, definitely something to look into it is definitely something I will just continue to get in the future as well. Um, so on with the show. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weebie Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world! Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Left in the geek revolution, and welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It's the dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. How's
1: it going? Not bad. I'm glad it's a glad it's a weekend. Nice long weekend for me. I, f- I feel like we just got
0: together a couple days ago or something. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. um, we are Weeby Geeks, the that podcast that would tell you that Harrison Ford has spoken about who should play who should be the next Indiana Jones, and he says nobody. <laughs> uh... I disagree. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Sorry, Harrison. Older Harrison I older mean older Indiana Jones? Yeah, nobody. Younger Indiana Jones? Yeah, somebody.
1: I agree that I mean obviously Harrison made the character and everything, but I can I can totally see I can totally see it going like the way it went. Yeah. Or they just, you know, switch it to a different actor. I mean, it'd be a different kind of indie. I don't know. I I think it could still work.
0: Well, we did do that story a while back saying that there was talk of doing Indiana Jones. I'm like, "No, no, 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 no."
1: Oh yeah. And I
0: I think you agreed with me on this. Um, no. Mm, keep it Indiana Jones. It's But if you want to go female, it's his granddaughter or great-granddaughter. Right. And she picks up where he leaves off. So, yeah. That's yeah. That I can see happening. As long as we don't see Shiloh LaBouf, bluff, No more. So um, check out the homepage, net. Down the right hand side are affiliates, which is that where you got your Godzilla shirt from one of the affiliates? Yes. Who'd you get it from? I don't remember offhand. Hold on. <laughs> Was there, uh, The three that had the t-shirts would be Ripped Apparel, Red Bubble, or uh, Superhero Stuff. And I don't think Superhero Stuff's got
1: Godzilla. No. Oh, no, I didn't actually get that from one of our... I didn't find it there. Ah. I am looking for more shirts, so I've been looking at some Ripped Apparel stuff. They have some cool stuff. They do. And superhero Stuff always has good stuff.
0: Ripped Apparel is where I got my uh, droids shirt that I had at a Celebration, in which we yeah. gave one away as well. Well, so no, oh, Rip to has got some yep. great stuff. I mean, between Rip, Rip to Peril and Red Bubble, I like them. Uh, the only other one, and I haven't found if they have a affiliate yet, is T-Turtle. T-Turtle, T-E-E-Turtle. They've got some great looking,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm looking to. I've been doing a lot of looking around because uh, I need to get some new shirts and stuff. All my T-shirts just get worn out. Yeah. So I've been looking at all kinds of... T-Turtle has a lot of the uh,
0: very independent, cartoony vibe to a lot of the stuff, if that makes sense. Mm. I mean, it, they're nice looking shirts. Um, yeah. I, that's where my Chewy shirt came from, was T-Turtle. The one that looks mm. like the movie poster, but it was like a baby Chewy. Kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or that very cartoonish, um, political cartoon type, chewy look. That's where that came from.
1: Oh, man. Ripped Apparel has a shirt that is Thanos as a cat. I might have to get that one.
0: <laughs> See? Just like that. Also, too, check out our new partners. Well, I won't say new partners. We've been with them for a couple months now. Check out our partners. Found me. F-O-U-N-D-M-I. I know. I'm spelling it, so if you're not going to the site, you can type it in your phone and go. Found uh, me.com. They're the Bluetooth trackers, which I absolutely love. And I keep turning more and more people onto them. So I'm hoping more and more people are buying them. Um, but I have three at. As you've seen by the video, uh, we all got two amongst the three shows. Each one of us on the shows got two. And then I bought a third one because the two I got weren't. I didn't feel they were pertinent to the backpack I got from Heroes and Villains. So I bought Chewy and put them on my backpack. So I know where my backpack is at all times. So, um, And then Heroes and Villains, which this weekend, which I'm going to try my best to get this show up this weekend a lot sooner. They're running 42% off of all Star Wars products products. products on the website 42% off yeah you're you're saying why such a an odd number for the discount oh yeah why is it such an odd number for the discount because Star Wars not Empire Strikes Back not Return of the Jedi not the prequels not the sequels but Star Wars yes I did not say a and h Star Wars is 42 years old this
1: we mean a new new hope is 42 years old yeah
0: this weekend came out 42 years ago this weekend you rebel scum you (laughs) You know it. Um and then also to check out our web store, Weeby Geeks uh the um uh, for Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks Wookie Radio. Some great t shirts, ball caps, baseball jerseys. Uh a couple weeks ago we got the blue ones up. Yes. Yeah, the blue the blue baseball jersey went up. Mm-hmm. I sent you the text with the yellow one, didn't I? Indeed you did. It's actually not bad looking. I I was a little scared about making that recommendation. I I don't like yellow, but that was pretty good. That one with with the way the designs, the blue designs are and whatnot, that looks that looks pretty decent. Um, like okay. I said, you get ball caps, sweatshirts, uh, Mandalorian themed shirts are coming soon for Wookie Radio. Um, so we got some of that and other surprises coming. I'm still trying to figure out maybe do a like a Smuggler's Ball jersey, where it's the white sleeves with the with the Han Solo type vest on it. Hmm. Interesting. I may do that. That's since we very interesting. since we are the smugglers. I so, kind of like that idea. Then I'm going to put I'm going to work on putting it in practice.
1: Cool.
0: And I think I want I think I want the numbers in red on the back, like the stripes on the pants. Mm-hmm. Name and number mm-hmm. in red on the back. Yeah. I uh, have to see if, we could, if I can find the font where it looks like the the striping material pattern wise. With the dashes, that would be killer on the numbers. Mm, yeah. The blood stripes. Gorilla, that would blood be. Stripes. So, um, <sighs> let's hit the news. I know we rambled way too much about, <laughs> about our goodies, but hey, we like Oh, Patreon coming soon. Okay. The archives. First 50 episodes are gone off iTunes, but for a dollar a month, you're going to be able to get access to the archives, in which we're going to be releasing them, like maybe... F- 5 to 10 a month and we'll have the first 50 up by the end of the year. So, how about that? No, make it work. It's going to time out where first 50 will be up by the end of the year. So, for a dollar a month, you'll be able to go back and listen to some great shows and some great interviews. So anyway, um, speaking of great shows, Jessica Jones is coming to Netflix in June. Uh, there's still no specific date yet, but it's going to drop sometime in June. Now, have we got, uh, have we gotten the official release that the show had been canceled, though? Yes. OK, I thought I, th- I thought it uh, did have a official date. Mm, no, according to an announcement in, in a tweet from Netflix's NX account, which lists several films and shows coming to the streaming service next month. Jessica Jones season three is mentioned at the bottom with a coming soon in place of the actual date. Um,
1: hmm. Why? Th- they, where did I? For some reason, I had it in my head as June twenty first, but obviously, I am wrong. Hey, you may be right. Yeah, They're just. Interesting. I don't know. It where, was leaked. No, I don't know where they,
0: I don't know where I would have got that from. <laughs> it's June 21st a Friday yeah
1: indeed it is well, I, you, I bet you I bet you are right up, so that would have been the one. <laughs> I don't um, know I, I, uh, I just I don't know where I got the where I got how June 21st stuck in my head but anyway um, now there's been hardly any
0: marketing or promotion for the 13 final episodes which makes sense considering what mm. the relationship has been between Marvel and Netflix which now Marvel is their competitor with Disney Plus and Hulu mm, I am I actually still haven't watched season two yet I haven't watched season two yet either if it's like season one I will I will be happy I i have heard mixed things yeah now here here here's an interesting I don't know if we talked about this last week on on the show or not Disney has 100 percent operational control over Hulu and by 2024 Disney will have 100 ownership of Hulu
1: I don't think we talked about it on here I know Oh, I think you talked about it on a Mighty Marvel Geeks, I okay. believe. Okay, but I don't, I don't think we discussed it here. Well, surprise! By twenty twenty four, surprise!
0: Dude, surprise! Right. Surprise! Right now, all all decisions for Hulu now runs through Disney and definitely for sure by 2024 it will be through Disney because Disney will own it all mm. so all the I think all the non-family friendly stuff from Disney like Deadpool the Aliens franchises Predator franchises Avatar franchises like Avatar's just not friendly at all that's a nightmare <laughs> it's a live action Fern Gully uh-huh. um <laughs> I know that was so bad I laughed at it myself (laughs) <laughs> um, Unfortunately, it's true. The uh, all the not all of those will most likely end up going to um, to Hulu, and I would not be surprised if they redo the, the over, get rid of the Netflix tag and and move uh, the Netflix shows onto Hulu once they're able to.
1: Yeah, I could totally see that. Well, well, maybe it depends. I guess it depends how much of the show is still owned by Netflix because. They did technically create the show, so it might get
0: tricky there. Did they create it or was it created by by Marvel Studios for
1: Netflix? I was always under under the impression that it was created by Netflix. Um, I could be wrong. We may have to double check that at some point.
0: I'm doing that right now. Okay. Jessica Jones is an American web TV series created for Netflix by Melissa Rosenberg based on Marvel Comics, character of the same name. So created for Netflix. Yes. Okay. Um, the Defenders was a web TV miniseries created by Douglas Petrie and Marco Ramirez for Netflix. Right. Uh, Daredevil was created. Stupid, stupid, stupid television. Live action. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the first season. Um, they don't say on um, uh, the season was produced by Marvel Television in association with ABC Studios. Uh, this was season one. Um, yeah, created for Netflix. So all the shows were created for Netflix. That makes sense, I guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't be that hard to put. To pull the Netflix off of it. Right. Once it becomes available. So smart move there. Um but speaking of the Netflix shows though, I'm hearing Luke Cage may appear on Cloak and Dagger. Really? Yeah. Rumor. Well, uh, it's rumor, uh, but Does the rumor include who if it's gonna be played by um Oh, I think it's Michael Coulter. Interesting. Uh let's i am <laughs> You here in a second.
1: I am DB. I
0: am DB. Uh, Michael Coulter. It's fun to be. Click on his name. They don't show anything of him being in the show. Mm. Doesn't mean it's not happened yet. No, certainly. I mean, it, it could be there, but they just haven't announced it. Right. So, um, so yeah, with Jessica Jones, uh, re- the uh, season three, uh, hopefully we'll see Jessica trying to repair her strained relationship with Trish. After having a falling out in season two, at the same time, we could see her facing off with psychopath. That now,
1: seems to be life.
0: Yeah. So um, the tweet that has all this, that stirred all this up has a uh, new on Netflix for June. Small soldiers. Uh, all these are going to be on June 1st. Small soldiers carry AI Cheers. artificial intelligence. Batman begins the dark Knight are all on the first. I liked small soldiers. I can't wait for Zoe to see that film. It was all right. It was a good, cast. Sure. It was definitely good for when it came out, but you look at it now and you're like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um I question have in ages. Yeah, it's been ages for me too. So the question's going to be, how well does it hold up? See what happens mm-hmm. when my daughter sees it. That's the litmus test right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, June 5th, we got Black Mirror Season 5. On the 7th, you've got 3% season 3 and I am mother. Um, on the 8th, you have equilibrium. On the 13th, you have Jen, J-I-N-N. Uh, dark season 2 on the 21st. Spider-Man into the spider-verse on June 26th. The Golem on the twenty sixth, and then oh, cool. and then Marvel's Jessica Jones season three coming soon.
1: I still haven't watched uh, Spider Verse yet, so now I can finally watch it. It is or a on great, June twenty sixth. It is a great film. Oh, I've heard. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now let me let me ask your opinion on it though. Um, some people say it's the greatest superhero he ever made. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Um, I I don't know. Because mm. for, for DC has done some amazing animated movies. Right, so I I
1: love Justice League: Final Frontier. Loved it, but but we're not. Well, what what I'm what I've heard is I'm not even not even just animated films. I'm talking. Oh, some overall? people. Is, yeah, overall. <sighs> See for me, I can't help to say
0: to me, I think the perfect superhero film or the or the best one is Christopher Reeves Superman. That is a great film. I would I, see go ahead. I mean, it was it was superb for when it came out. It still holds up today, even though it's slightly dated. Right. But it's I don't
1: I mean I liked yeah. I like Keaton's Batman too, so the other thing for me is hearing people say, "Oh, it's the greatest superhero movie of all time." That kind of puts a, a. I'm trying not to let it um, get to my get in my head because then I'll be like watching it, going, "Well, this isn't the greatest superhero movie of all time." It, See, to, to, it's good, you know. To, I
0: don't want that to to, to, to to say it's the best superhero movie of all time. Be like saying Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And I'm sorry. I mean, okay. all right, but well, no, it, it's you. <laughs> if you gave Bradshaw or Roger Staubach or Tarkenton and put them in today's game or even Brett Favre and put him in the same time period as as Brady. I, I think you have a totally different different thing because Brady doesn't quarterbacks are, are protected a lot more than what they used to be. I mean, a quarterback mm. was a position you were in it maybe 10, 12 years and you were out not going almost 20 years, you know, Mm. I mean, it's a totally different beast. So, I mean, I would say, is it the best superhero movie of this decade? Uh, well, Endgame just came out, and I, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mon- monetarily, Endgame was was the best. Um, I, I would definitely say top ten. Mm. Definitely top. 10. Way, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. Yeah, you, you know what was good about Spider-Man film? Sylvester Stallone was
1: not in it. Well, that's always... Is, uh, is, that, is that harsh? Always. That'll be, well, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it was a beaten guard, and it would just be a voice, but uh, anyway. Y- yo, Spider-Man, get over here. I want to smash your face. You idiot! <laughs> there. That's all right, though, because there's other things that Sylvester Stallone is interested in at the, to- at the moment, and... uh well he's kind of mostly interested in uh rehash rehashing old stuff so for example uh we know that he's coming he's uh putting out another ram movie soon, why why um because <laughs>
0: um at this point in time i almost want to see another expendables movie than a Ram.
1: ah <sighs> I don't know. I was a little disappointed in The expendable Granted, I've only seen the first one, but... Um, there's also talk of him possibly doing uh, another a- actual Rocky movie. Um, not Creed, because he's, he said he's not going to do any more Creed movies, but he might possibly want to do another actual Rocky film for some reason. Uh, but another thing that another of his old projects that he'd like to revive is the 1986 movie cobra but uh he's kind of wasn't more more into doing that as his no cobra yeah cobra wasn't bad for stallone in 1986 Cobra for now who
0: knows is it
1: Cobra as a retirement home yeah exactly he doesn't want to do it as a movie more to do it as a series or a streaming network Uh, so Cobra (laughs) yo there's a there's a muffin missing from the from the cafeteria where'd it go Estelle I need my brand (laughs) Um, so of course Cobra was brought to us uh, by the letter C director George Cobra Cosmato, sort of, George Camas, Cos, Cos, the Cosmatos, who did Rambo First brought Blood Part Two and Tombstone. Uh, interestingly, it earned a $150 million at the domestic box office, but it only cost $5 million to make. You believe that? That's quite a profit, especially in 1986. But, sadly, never got it. So, Cobra, who, for those who aren't aware... Uh, or who weren't alive in 19 <laughs> Uh centers around uh, Los Angeles Police Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cobretti, played by Stallone, who, who is up in the middle of uh, a bunch of murders carried out by a secret society called New Order. Boy, that name's been used a few times, huh? Yeah. Uh, even in wrestling. <laughs> uh, so the idea behind the New Order is that they were killers who selected weak members, I uh, say in quotation marks, of society for extermination. Along the way, Cobra takes a model named Ingrid, who was played by his then-wife, Brigitte Nielsen, wow, I remember her, uh, into protective custody after she witnesses New Order's leader in action. Then the two try to find a normal life in a small town, but end up having to fight their way through an army of bad guys for survival anyway. Because that's what you do in an 80s action movie. So, uh, Stallone was at a doing a and a via the AV Club and uh, he told one audience member member uh, I'm not gonna do this in the Stallone accent you won't understand what I'm saying he said that
0: that's okay we <laughs> said, don't said, understand what he's see. saying now hey it's <laughs> he a girl that
1: conceit was what if Bruce Springsteen had a gun <laughs> That was... What if Bruce Springsteen had a gun? That was rock and roll meets drama. That should have been another franchise because that character was so cool. And I blew it. My personal life got in the way. But we're trying to bring it back as a streaming TV series. Bring out the zombie squad. I'm long gone, but the idea is really good. So, uh... Probably what he was thinking about with his personal life getting in the way was his messy divorce in 1987 from Brigitte Nielsen, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, Yeah, since the relationship between them was the basic core of the movie, it would probably have been difficult to make a sequel without her, although you know they could have killed her off, but anyway, and then you could have got revenge um, so Nielsen was in Rocky Four and Cobra, but then they did not collaborate again until Creed Two last year so. <sighs> right now it's just kind of a a seed of an idea and uh, nothing's actually happening yet that we know of but uh, you know if you're a fan of Cobra of movie Cobra not the G.I. Joe villain although if you're a fan of them too you know I'm not going to single you (laughs) out you never know this could actually happen seeing as how Hollywood is very uh, reboot happy right now (laughs) reboot and remake happy so who knows We, we could see Cobra come to a streaming service near you in the near future the question is do we want it uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah that's the tough part yeah 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 well
0: um how about this a car trailer mm. talk about an awesome i'm excited for this Except there's one problem something we yep. cbs all access yep um, so after a long rate, uh, Star Trek fans are gonna be reunited, and it feels so good. Reunited. Oh, great, okay, that's ja- in my head now. With John Jean- Luke Picard, uh, the Starfleet icons returning to the small screen, and the teaser has gone live. As it turns out, the fans are intrigued by what they saw. Uh, and the reactions are amazing. So, for those who had wished the trailer had more to do with Starfleet, um, I'm glad it doesn't at the moment, because we see Picard at his home yeah. at the ranch yeah. or his farm whatever it was his french ranch um it's a french Richard. his fr- the frenchman <laughs> the frenchman played by a british guy um, <laughs> the uh yeah in the poster we see the starfleet delta insignia uh, everywhere it's seen pretty blatantly but the teaser has no soldiers in uniform or a visit to to uh, starfleet headquarters mm. however it does allude to it, its lead in the tragic and his tragic place within Starfleet. Uh, it sounds like there was a rescue mission that went south for the captain, or as they say, admiral, and it prompted Picard to retire. So fans are eager to learn more about the dark turn, card's career takes, and they're not shying away from creating their own theories. That's so, the um Now, according to Kurtzman on a recent press tour, he goes, and so we're breaking, as we're breaking story, we're asking ourselves how do we live to the spirit and to the character and for the tone that next generation set, but also making it something very, very different in other ways. And Patrick was really clear with us from the beginning. He did not want to repeat what he had already done. And by mm-hmm. the way, it's been 20 plus years so he couldn't possibly be that same person anymore yeah so uh the series is expected to premiere late 2019 on uh yeah that's stupid cbs app (laughs) um so first person, um, you know, some of the responses is like time to drink. Someone's going, I need a bottle of Chateau Picard. Um, <laughs> the other is, uh, uh, Englishman parentheses, not in San Diego. Hey, you missed you, sir. Hashtag Picard. Um, then, uh, Thomas R. Wood says every fan deserves an opportunity to toast the show's premiere with a glass of a card in 86. Tell me what's going to take credit card in hand. <laughs> Um then someone else uh, watching the Star Trek Picard teaser is like watching John Cena go ooh when he got burned at a <laughs> WWF Hall of Fame ceremony. Um hmm. then someone else goes I don't give a if a card ends up being 200 bottle episodes of the man sitting in his den by a fire reading I will watch. So <laughs> I would totally watch that. So yeah, uh, that's what we got there because we're Reuniting
1: and it feels <laughs> oh. dope Silent. Well then, I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Yeah, we're we're gonna boost it here. Yeah, uh, we got some real gold here, people. <laughs> so, <clears> hmm. <throat> Although I'm not a huge DC fan, there are certain characters I've always been quite partial to. And one of those characters is a little uh, low-list hero, i <laughs> use the term loosely, called Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle have always been a pair that I've always enjoyed since the '80s. And um, <laughs> as you can imagine, I was quite excited at the mention of the possibility of us someday seeing a Booster Gold movie. See, I thought we were going to see Booster Gold. and Excited, but it won the shows. Um, we were supposed to. That sounds familiar, but I don't remember offhand. But, as I said, uh, there has been a slight possibility of seeing a Booster Gold movie, which uh, on one hand has me very excited. But on the other hand, I feel like they're toying with my emotions because this has been bouncing around for many years now. But, but who's my fellow Booster Gold fans or fan? I should probably say, because I'm sure there's (laughs) probably only one of them. What you talking about, Willis? (laughs) according to, <laughs> according to screenwriter Zach Stentz who is currently making rounds the rounds in support of his forthcoming Netflix feature rim of the world uh old Zach says that uh, his long gestating booster gold spree- screenplay is now finished and is in the hands of director slash producer Greg Berlanti hmm why does that name sound familiar hmm I wonder uh, Um, so he was talking to Revenge of the Fans, and he basically said, uh, the script's been written... The script's been handed off, and this is basically up to Warner Brothers. Um, Now, this Bolster Gold movie was originally rumored to be part of a handful of lower-budget movies that DC figured they could throw out and get some success with in years where there was no uh, big movie uh, like Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman or other Justice League members. Uh, And Booster Gold vanished out of the rumor mill, and then he came back, and then he vanished again, and then he came back. And this went on and on for quite some time, making uh, those of us who are fans of Booster Gold think that (laughs) it's never going to happen. Ah, now, there was a TV pilot for Booster Booster Gold series, but it failed. So then it became a movie I don't movie remember pitch. that. I don't remember the TV pilot. I don't think it ever got far enough to actually be seen by anyone. Then why isn't it other, on, Disney, on DC Universe? I don't even know if it actually filmed. It might have just been written. Who knows? But anyway, um, <laughs> so Booster Gold found life as a movie pitch. And Greg Berlanti, uh, who, of course... You should recognize that name from the producer of the Arrowverse shows on the CW network. Oh, interesting. He says he's one of the most successful producers in modern TV history. Interesting. Um, It looked like he was set up to produce and likely direct. Stence, the screenwriter, uh, has worked with Berlanti on The Flash, so he was tapped to write the Booster Gold film. And, of course, there were more rumors about it being cancelled or fast-tracked or that it might actually guest star uh, one or possibly more Blue Beetles, as there have been more than one. Or, maybe it would actually be a Blue Beetle movie and Booster Gold would be a supporting role, you know, the sidekick. But there has not been been any really reliable true information other than the, that the screenplay has been finished that we know of now because Stence said I do not know what's going on with it right now honestly and I don't know if the DC people know what's going on with it there's a surprise yeah I love this next line he says their strategy seems to change depending on how most the most recent movie did <laughs> yeah that would be DC strategy how this movie do not so good okay let's change it uh, but I tell you that a script has been turned in that the director and producer, Greg Berlanti, has proclaimed himself to be very happy with. And it's something that's ready to go. But DC and Warner Brothers would need to give the green light to do it. The ball is in their court. So, uh, of course, for those who are uninitiated to Booster Gold, he was created in the 80s by current Batman Beyond and veteran Superman artist, Dan Jurgens, who is a legend, uh, and Booster is a 20th 25th century college athlete caught up gambling scandal and forced to leave school in disgrace and get a job at a museum. In an exhibit dedicated to the superheroes of the 20th and 21st century, he steals a handful of pieces of gear and assembles them into a costume, pilfering a time machine and the museum's security Skeets, to set himself up as a superhero in the past, uh, so he has been around a, a bit so you might have seen him in uh, such things as Justice League Un- Unlimited he's made appearances Batman the Brave and the Bold yep. Justice League Action and he even managed to make an appearance on an episode of Smallville oh that's right that was what season so, 10 wasn't
0: it? sure we'll go with that <laughs> <laughs> Try remember. I, I know it was near the end
1: mm-hmm. so there you have it kids we're one step closer to an actual Booster Gold movie, but I'm still not holding my breath. So uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, while you're waiting to see what happens, how about
0: this? Jason Muse, aka Jay from of Jay and Silent Bob fame, uh, his directorial debut. What's <laughs> that? It said he's so amusing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think I'm rubbing off on you with the bad jokes. Um, his directorial debut, Madness in the Method, is a re with Kevin Smith and uh, it scores a deal with uh, Cinedigum. Um, Cinedigum. C I N E D I G M. I dig <laughs> again. Uh, well, apparently they dug them because they have acquired the North American rights to Muse's Madness in the Method. Um, it's a meta-comedy, and they plan on an August two-day and date platform release for theaters and digital. Um, in the film, Muse plays a version of himself. Tired of Hollywood's perception of him, he embarks on a quest to reinvent himself as a serious actor. Uh, upon advice from best friend Kevin Smith, he tracks down a secretive method acting book with disastrous consequences. Gina Carano, Jamie Camille, Vinnie Jones, Danny Trejo, the late Stan Lee, Terry Hatcher, Brian O'Holloran, and Dean Kane co-star with Blake Harrison, Caspian Van Dien, Judd Nelson, and David Dashmakian. So, um, the pick marks the first major on-screen team-up for Muse and Smith since Clerks 2, and in January, Saban films picked up North American rights to Jay and Silent Bob reboot the sequel to the 2001 Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back there's no release date for that one as well so mm. ever since Muse has cleaned up and I guess has also become a father I think he's kind of funnier now I haven't Even, really seen him and lately um I mean you saw him quite a bit in in comic book man
1: oh yeah
0: yeah that's true and he he was in uh Zack and Murney make a porno which was he was hilarious in that yeah, it's been a while since I watched that one. That one, What makes that one difficult for me is Seth Rogen. It's almost like he goes too over the top with it at times.
1: <laughs> but that's Seth Rogen, so. I love Seth Rogen. But yeah, sometimes, yeah, you just want to tell him to pull it back a yeah. little. Yeah, now, I'll tell you
0: a movie that I'm kind of getting excited about. Oh. Akira. And I'm not talking animated either.
1: Oh. Uh, although the animated akira movie uh big oh part in, of my oh. teenage
0: years growing the comic the gra- graphic novels for it or the the comics for it yeah the
1: manga yeah oh. um so the the animated film was was something that i discovered that my friends and i discovered in high school and uh it just it uh it just blew us all away it was so amazing and um like before that you know we had, we had most of our experience with with uh, Japanese animation was some of the old shows we used to watch, like uh, Guy King and, and Mazinger Z and, you know, Battle of the Planets and Robotech and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. But then when Akira came out, it just it literally blew our, well, not look, but it, it was blew our minds. It was a game changer. Oh, yeah, definitely. First first, uh, first
0: true anime you remember really paying attention to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. definitely, I, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll add Ask that question. What was the first real anime, be it cartoon series that aired on the weekdays or on the weekends to to movie that you really, really paid
1: attention to? Um well my favorites was always Star Blazers. Star Blazers was great. Um yeah. But even that was was uh Star Blazers didn't hit me as as, as G- hard key Star Blazers was the G Force team, right? No, that's Battle, well, but- Battle of the Plants. Yeah. Star Blazers was the one with the um the battleship that they, they turned to a Space vessel. I thought the Yamato. They did a live action movie on that.
0: Yes. Space space battleship. Yeah, which I have not seen. I haven't either because I haven't found it. I have it with yeah. English. Oh, well, there's no English subtitles with it either. It's just a Japanese, right? I'd I'd love to see it at some point, but um, for um, me, for me, it was Shogun Warriors. Yeah, that was good stuff. That was there, good stuff. And then from there, I got turned um, on to uh, to Speed Racer.
1: Uh, I lo- liked Speed Racer, but I never totally got into Speed Racer.
0: Same as much as. Some of the other stuff. Same. To me Speed Racer reminded me a little bit of a, a Japanese uh Johnny uh Johnny Quest to some extent. I can see that
1: I guess, but but uh I can't I think it was the maybe the racing stuff that kind of, that was like, meh. Yeah. It didn't interest me as much. Of course, you know, like all the other stuff, like the, you know, like the Shogun Warriors and everything, the, the Guy King and everything. I used to lo- love the ch- robots. That yes. was always one of my favorites. That's <laughs> why I loved I Sh- loved characters. all the yep. Well, and and the toys were out at the time for it, too.
0: But I was also yeah, into yeah. Ultron, or Ultraman and Spectrum Man. I used to love Ultraman. I never really
1: saw Spectrum, Spectrum Man.
0: Spectrum Man was primarily... Primarily on uh, TBS,
1: mm. and it was on during the week. So, and of course, you know I loved Robotech and stuff, and yeah, and uh, you know going on to like Voltron and all that stuff. But, but lions or cars or vehicles? Lions always. Yeah, I, I didn't understand where the vehicles
0: came from because it came out after the lions, but ended up in reality. I think they came
1: before the lions in Japan. Yes, they did, which had me so confused. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there's a, actually I have it on DVD, there's a, like a movie, it's not really, it's like a TV movie or something, where it's, they combine the lion for lions and the vehicles, so that it's the two Voltrons in one, like, 90 minute film, or probably less than 90 minutes, but is interesting. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they just kind of pieced it together Out of (laughs) other footage (laughs) But anyway um, But anyway, back to Akira (laughs) Which which is on a Completely different level From all that, because it's a little more Yeah Um, So there's been talk for years Of trying to get uh, a live action Film, and uh, now That is actually going to happen And it actually has A release date So the movie is going to be directed by taika watiti of uh, thor ragnarok fame oh cool which yeah i'm very interested to see what he will do with it as long as he doesn't you know put too many jokes in it but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah i'm very interested to see this at live action it's it's just um so the movie is going to be released on may 21st of 2021 um according to an announcement by Warner Brothers, who's who's doing the film, uh, and it is going to be produced by Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way Production Company. Okay. Uh, um. Yeah. So, as you said, you know, this this of course was a great anime, but it's never actually been a live action. And I'm so interested to see what they do. It's just such a messed up in a good way movie. But there's a lot of crazy stuff in here in there. So Warner Brothers originally acquired the right for the movie back in 2002 and uh, it's had a a lot of uh, stops and starts and um, oh yeah I didn't realize this so here's here's an interesting thing Um, the post-apocalyptic cyberpunk story is set in a dystopian Tokyo in the year 2019 whoops (laughs) at the time when this came out the manga came out in 82 so at the time 2019 was the future and I that reminds me. I also learned this week, or I was also reminded this week, that Blade Runner also takes place in the year 2019. So again, I say, whoops, because we are not anywhere near any of those movies. Um, when did Running Man take place? I, I think we've already passed the year Running Man takes place, if I remember correctly. But that is a good question. I'm looking it up. So yeah, you do that, and I shall continue. So um, there's another. Another interesting thing Um, takes place, takes place between 2017 and 2019. (laughs) Whoops. Where is this future? We were promised. Um, Although I don't know if you really want any of those futures. But anyway, Um, so Warner Brothers, by by setting the release date uh, on May 21st, 2021, it turns out that uh, Akira is actually going to be opening the same weekend as the recently announced Junk Four. So that'll be an interesting weekend, Um, and there's no there's casting uh, information yet, but uh, that will definitely be something to keep our eyes on because this is definitely interested in this movie. Yeah, well, I'll tell you something else that caught my attention that's
0: making me go, I may very well be interested in this. Uh, Linda Hamilton makes her return as Sarah Connor in Terminator Dark Fate. Indeed, this was pretty cool but apparently at the center of the story appears to be a part human part robot who is determined to protect a young girl from a liquid metal terminator did he look familiar he should mm. because when he's not a terminator he's a ghost Rider. it was gabriel luna uh, Ah, yes. so they get some help from someone with experience when the seasoned veteran connor shows up um, Davis's character asks why do you care what happens to her? To which Connor responds because I was her. And then fittingly she takes the two newbies to meet her protector in the past Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. <laughs> uh, this is a reunion of sorts with Hamilton and Schwarzenegger and James Cameron all back together for the first time since Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And it's also fitting considering the new film from Deadpool director Tim Miller uh, who Cameron is producing and helped, and helped come up with the story said that this will follow the events of the 1991 sequel and ignore subsequent films. Mm. Nine, 91. That's Terminator 2, right? Yep. So you're getting rid of Terminator 3? Yeah, why not? Terminator 3 was not that bad. No, it was not that good. <laughs> well, I guess I would ignore because... By three by the time three comes around, Hamilton Sarah Connor's dead. Yeah, right. But I didn't think I did not think three was that bad. Mm, I'm gonna have to disagree with that one. Perfectly fine. But that's- um now it has been th- uh according to Hamilton, she says it has been nearly thirty years since I stepped into the shoes of Sarah Connor. A character oh. who definitely changed my life. Uh and only a script, a story, and a director like this could bring me back into this world. A perfect confluence. Of events, once in a lifetime, or maybe twice, an event comes along that you cannot turn away from. And for me, this is that moment. So, so yeah, that's cool.
1: And the trailer is awesome. It really is. Yeah, I'm still cautious. I'm still being cautious about it, but it's interesting. Yeah, it did look. No, I it did I, look cool. I did not do like a lot of people. Oh, I got chills
0: seeing it. Um, yeah, no, I didn't get chills, but it definitely. Definitely had my, it, definitely, it had my attention. Yeah, it piqued my interest. I I would definitely say. But I'm still. Will I go see it in the theaters? There's a high probability. Oh sure,
1: I know I will. Um, not like Dark Phoenix, I'm just, where I'm still, where I'm still questioning. Oh, I'm sure I'll end up going. <clears throat> I'm sure I'll end up going to see it. So I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I may I may end up going by myself to see it. I don't know
0: if the I might. want to or not. Let's go see it the same day. Won't that be fun? Oh yes, and then we'll get on the phone afterwards and talk all about it. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, um, so yeah, that could be our final end game. Nah, it's definitely X Men's
1: end game. So uh, that is true. That is true. Now, speaking of Endgame, found, we found a fun little article that's taking its time to load at the moment. <laughs> Come on. Oh, here we are. Uh, it's called, I found it on 80skids.com, which is interesting because it's not 80s. Because this is 20 things you didn't know about Avengers Endgame, Except there's two or three that I actually didn't know. But anyway, let's cover it. So, number 20. The film was shot to back with Infinity War. I think We all didn't know that, didn't we? I thought we did. I thought so, too. I thought that was common knowledge. But anyway, since Infinity War was such an enormous undertaking, uh, you think they would take a little break after filming it before doing Endgame. But you would be wrong. Because uh, right after Infinity War wrapped, all of the Marvel actors... The core Marvel actors were required to film, start filming all over again. Mostly the Avengers, of course. Um, The Russos decided uh, early in the Infinity War shoot that they would, uh, I'm sorry, decided early on that they would shoot Infinity War and Endgame back. So, filming on Infinity War began in January, on January 23rd, 2017, and ended on July 14th, 2017. And then Endgame began filming a couple weeks later on August 10th, and ended on January 11th, 2018. Wow! So they ended. They actually. They actually ended. They finished filming it in January of 2008. Interesting. They have an interesting picture of uh, the uh, of uh, Josh Brolin as Thanos. Right. So that means, in total, it took a little under a year to shoot films. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Number 19. It was Infinity War was
0: the first time Brie Larson played Captain Marvel. I have heard this. So uh, the end credit scene for Infinity War, which saw Nick Fury use his intergalactic pager, uh, setting up Captain Marvel's entrance into the MCU. Well, it was filmed before, obviously filmed before uh, Captain Marvel, But... Endgame was filmed before that. So even though Marvel came before Endgame in the cinemas, uh, the sequel to Infinity War was shot first. So although the film takes place chronologically after, it represent it is the first time she plays the dear Captain. This is why the character appears Mm -hmm. slightly different in Endgame than her standalone movie, wearing makeup in contrast to her makeup-free portrayal in Captain Marvel. Um, Marvel still hadn't settled on who the character was at this early stage. But It makes sense for her to be wearing makeup at this point in time since she has come back to Earth and has availability to such things. Sure. Or is no longer part of Star Force and is orcs. And it's really,
1: I can't believe people commented on it because it's a stupid little thing. But anyway.
0: To me, the thing that would be the thing that would throw everything off would be the haircut. Who's to say she
1: didn't Mm -hmm. wear a wig for that? Right. So. Well, speaking of Captain Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel's director were present on the set of Endgame to help shape the character. Uh, um, According to Joe Russo, co-director of Endgame, Brie Larson was still figuring Carol Danvers out as Endgame began shooting. Makes sense. Um, So... Since filming was about to begin... on Captain Marvel, shortly after Endgame pr- production concluded. Uh, the Captain Marvel directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleek stepped in to lend the Russo brothers a hand, which is good. Um, so to assist the Russos and Larson, the directors were present on the set in order to help shape the character. Uh, and according to screenwriter Stephen McFeely, he and writing partner Christopher Marcus also sought Bowden and Fleek out regarding their approach to Carol Danvers. Uh, and McPhee regarding Bowden and Fleek said they watched their characters start with someone else, and we certainly got their blessing. Still, if you think about it, it must be kind of weird for the directors, huh? Yeah. To 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 be watching the character that they're gonna do being started by somebody else. Ah, ah, now this next one is tailor-made for you, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I actually I actually missed this when I watched the movie, but I know you didn't miss it. I missed it the first time. I saw it the second time. Howard the Duck appears in oh, the big battle scene. Indeed.
0: Uh the final battle sequence is such an epic that how can you not leave out Howard the duck but he does show up as one of the many faces and i love the gun that he's carrying now if you blink to miss the cameo (laughs) power could be seen briefly behind evangeline lily's the wasp wearing a suit and toting what appears to be a giant gun uh it's not the first time he's cameoed in a film he appeared in the post credit scenes for Guardians of the Galaxy, sipping on a space cocktail in the wreckage of the Collector's Museum. He also showed up as a background character in the Guardian sequel, sharing a drink with a woman
1: in the bar on Contraxia. Yes, indeed. So number 16, the film features Marvel's first openly gay character. Uh, So after years of controversy over alleged lack of representation, things seem to finally be changing in the MCU. Um, So lately, Marvel has given a non-white character their own solo movie, uh, Black Panther. And finally, After many Films handed a female superhero a standalone film, Captain Marvel. Now with Endgame, Marvel has taken another step forward by introducing their first openly gay character. Now, the character appears only fleetingly, um, and he's a bereaved man talking about his head male partner in a survivors group headed up by Steve Rogers. Which that was an interesting scene, seeing seeing Captain America heading a group of uh, survivors, a support group. That was very interesting. Okay. So, going forward, the Roosters say Marvel plans who have an existing superhero in the Marvelverse come out as gay, though the identity of said character has yet to be revealed. Although there are a couple of gay characters they could use that haven't actually shown up yet. But anyway, next.
0: Um, the character is played by the film's director, number 15. At check the end credits, you'll see an actor named Gozi Ag- Agbo who plays the man of grieving <laughs> for his dead partner. Well, in fact, that's the pseudonym for Joe Russo on half of the Russo brothers. Um, So uh, this is just basically a continuation of of yours that uh, the gay character is played by by one of the directors. And they felt it was important for for the character to be there. And they Mm -hmm. felt it was
1: important for one of them to play it. Hmm. So, well, number 14, Natalie Portman's cameo is just leftover footage from Dark World. Not surprising. Uh, Of course, Natalie Portman decided to jump ship from the MCU after Thor The Dark World, uh, reportedly because she was unhappy with how the film turned out. Join the club. Uh. (laughs) So, So, of course, she did not seem too keen. On so, it was surprising to some viewers then to see Natalie Portman make an appearance, however brief, in Endgame as his ex Jane Foster. But, this, so the scene uh, has Rocket approaching Jane extract the reality stone as she sleeps, though the characters don't appear in any shots together, and Jane only has a few seconds of screen time. But in reality, the cameo is actually unused footage from the Dark World, and Portman did no filming on the movie whatsoever okay not totally surprised Uh, but they did the Russos did tell Entertainment Weekly that Natalie Portman did contribute some voiceover for the film interesting she didn't want to appear but she would some voiceover (laughs) okay whatever gets her goat um sure now
0: Robert Downey Jr. is going to make an obscene amount of money for his work in the film uh having been in not surprising having been in the Marvel Universe (laughs) Marvel Cinematic Universe from the very beginning he secured a heck of a deal where pay is concerned for each Marvel movie. He appears in, he makes a base rate of $10 million plus a 2.5 cut of the movie's profits.
1: Wow.
0: So, um, this means Downey has been taking home increasingly large amounts ever since he signed up to play Tony Stark, which basically means he can do his next five films for free and not be hurting. Um, having taken home, Home seventy-five million for Infinity War, which grows to a little over two billion at the box office. Downey makes to make or looks to looks set to make considerably much more for Endgame. Um with Endgame on course to be Avatar's three billion dollar record, Downey's final
1: MCU film could net him over a million dollars. Not too shabby. No. <clears throat> Uh, not to correct you, but actually that's for $100 million. That's what I said, wasn't it? No, you said $1 Uh, sorry. (laughs) Now this next one's actually one of my favorites. Number 12, Robert Downey Jr. was the only cast member allowed to read the full script. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So. Not surprised. uh, Nope, not at all. So, of course, uh, we have some of the best actors in Hollywood in Endgame, (laughs) but many of them are great at keeping secrets, uh, such as Tom Holland, uh, Mark Ruffalo and such um both of, of whom have uh let things slip out so some of the MC ac- mcu actors uh those two in killer have become so notoriously bad at accidentally revealing spoilers that nobody was allowed to read the end game script in advance uh except for robert downey jr who is apparently the only one trustworthy enough not to give the game away makes sense yeah so um, the that uh, everyone else was only given portions of the screenplay, with Tom Holland only given his lines with no additional context. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Here's your Q word
0: and go. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Paul Rudd shot Endgame and Ant-Man and Wasp in the Wasp at the same time. So it wasn't just in, crazy. not just Infinity War and Endgame, but Ant-Man and Wasp released three months after Infinity War was actually shot from August to September to November 2017. Or slap wow. in the middle of the Endgame show shoot. Um, so, unfortunately for actors Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly, this meant shooting two Marvel films at once. Though Lilly only appears briefly, it at must the have been end. so exhausting. Uh, could be. Though Lilly appears mm. to briefly uh, appears briefly at the end of Endgame. Rudd, Scott Lang, is an integral part of the fourth Avengers film. Um, now, Ant Man and the Wasp and Endgame are were both filmed in Atlanta and near each other. So Anthony Mackie would occasionally go down the street to prank Rudd and steal from his... Film's craft table. <laughs>
1: uh, that is amusing. Yeah. Now this this next one, unfortunately, is kind of sad, and it is number ten. Endgame marks the end, the final cameo of Stanley. Um, interestingly enough, Endgame actually represents the end of uh, a lot of things, end of an era for for the MCU. Uh, of course, some of the biggest characters. Uh, have some uh, final moments in the film, but Endgame also featured what would end up being the final appearance of a Marvel legend. Because Stan Lee, the man behind Marvel Comics, uh, has made a cameo in every one of Marvel Studios' 20 films, But, alas, sadly, Stan Lee passed away on November 12th of 2018 at the age of 95. A very sad day indeed. Um, And the only thing he had left, he had done, were uh, cameos for Captain Marvel and Avengers Game. Uh, So, unfortunately, sadly enough, that means that Endgame is... His final cameo, where he appears as a D, he appears de aged, shouting anti war slogans in the film's 1970s sequence. So, and there are many sad things about Endgame, and that is definitely one of them, unfortunately. Okay. Uh,
0: There's a deleted scene. Uh, This is number nine. There's a deleted scene starring 13 reason wise, Kathleen, uh, Catherine Langford as Tony's daughter. Fan speculation was rife when Endgame went into production and Kathleen Langford was cast in the film for an unspecified role. Speculation was arguably that even greater than Endgame, even greater after Endgame hit the cinemas, Langford was nowhere to be seen. Turns out Langford was hired to play Stark's daughter daughter, Morgan, as an adult. The scene was cut. Uh, Says Joe Hmm. Russo. There was an idea that we had Tony going up, or going, that Tony was going to go into the metaphysical waste station that Thanos goes goes in when he snaps his fingers, Mm -hmm. and there was going to be a future version of his daughter in that
1: station. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Also interesting, uh, the writers actually did consider putting the Defenders in the film. Uh, Of course, the Defenders being the characters from the Netflix shows, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. And uh, all of their shows have unfortunately been cancelled. But the writers, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, were considering putting them in the Avengers movie. Uh, But they told, in an interview, they told the New York Times, uh, they were telling them that they were were considering the Defenders, having the Defenders help out the Avengers in the big battle scene at the end. Uh, 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 and they were asked if any other Marvel characters were in consideration, and McFie responded, "Do you put Luke Cage in there?" Um, but they decided ultimately that it would be too confusing, saying we would have to introduce these five characters. We are—we all already are assuming people have seen a lot of the movies. Are we really going to assume they have bought a subscription to Netflix and watched those shows enough so that when they see them, they're going to go, "Yay!" I think they could have stuck him in the the big battle scene at the end and it would have just been like, you know, one of the many characters that are there and, you know, people would either recognize him or not. Yeah. (sighs) Didn't happen.
0: Nope. Um, uh, according to number seven Hawkeye was originally the one who sacrifice, sacrificed himself a soul stone uh, it was one of the hard hitting moments mm. that comes halfway through the film uh, in the film it's Natasha that takes her leap to the doom leaving Clint to survive another day but originally the scene played out very differently um, it was Clint who died not Natasha the scene was changed because Jen Underhall, Marvel special effects producer, ordered the two writers to swap Clint and Natasha's roles uh, Under, under doll read an outline in her draft where Hawkeye goes over McFeely remembered to the New York Times and she goes don't you take this away from her and it was then that the pair
1: realized Black Widow's journey had come to an end interesting yeah hmm and number six, the two films, Infinity War and Endgame, were cut from 900 hours of footage. Wow. Yeah. So, of course, you know, uh, a year of shooting, months of additional reshoots, um, 900 hours of footage. At the end of the day, Jeffrey Ford and Matthew Schmidt, who were edited, who edited Infinity War and Endgame, got even more than they bargained for. A total of 900 hours of boom. Uh, so. <laughs> So they were forced to edit in real time, with Schmidt assembling the first endgames cut endgame cut while it was- It was, um, going forward, it was a constant state of pre-production, production, production, and post-production, all at the same, excuse me, all all at the same time for almost a year straight. That's insane. Yeah, it is. (laughs) They they describe editing the two films as hellish and almost impossible. I imagine. Actually, I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, number five, the battle
0: sequence was originally much longer. (sighs) Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> think about it wasn't. Um, as it stands, the final battle sequence is almost too much, with almost every single MCU hero we've come to know getting involved for the final uh, for the final smackdown. And if you can believe it, the scene was originally even bigger than the one we got. Um, there was an hmm. ill-advised World War One style scene in a trench, where for reasons the battle got paused for about three minutes now there's 18 people all going, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, even this, even epic or battle sequence was shot, meaning it only got cut during the hellish post-production period undertaken by Ford and Schmidt. Wow. Yeah.
1: I wonder if that will be, uh, on bonuses, <laughs> the bonus features. Depends on which store you buy it from. You're kidding. <laughs> and I wonder if this next one will be on bonus features An awkward makeout scene between Thor and Valkyrie was cut. Uh, of everything that was shot and removed from the film. Uh, it looks like the big battle came in for the biggest cuts at the editing stage. But there were smaller moments that were trimmed here and there from the assembly cut that now sound like tantalizing deleted <laughs> scenes. Don't know about that. Well, one of the most intriguing is uh, Thor and Valkyrie's original awkward goodbye, which saw the former king of Asgard try to land one the new king of new Asgard before he went off to join the Guardians of the like, see, <laughs> Anthony Russo told Entertainment Weekly uh, that in the original Thor had this had this beat where Valkyrie she puts her arm in it on his shoulder and Thor sort of starts to lean for a kiss and she goes, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Oh, I, I thought that the touch." And she's like, "It's a goodbye tap I'm giving you." It was a really funny beat, but we cut it. I have a feeling that might be a deleted scene. I think in the in, uh, I hope so. in the bone. <laughs> That sounds interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, number three, Endgame was not the original uh, was not the original title for the film. We knew that it was originally announced as Infinity War Part Two, and Endgame actually yes. shot under the working title of Mary Lou Two. I believe I heard that. So uh, finally, they came to the decision that Avengers Four would be called Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, and then as much was revealed mm. by Zoe Saldana in 2017 when the. More actress accidentally let it slip during an interview. They changed their minds again relatively late in the
1: day and updated the title to Endgame. Which works. I think that's a, that was a good decision. Number two, Taika Waititi and Jane Gunn actually helped write the script. That's pretty cool. That I did not know. Um, of course, we all know that the Russos are pretty capable, uh, as we've seen in such movies as Captain Marvel. Winter Soldier, Captain Marvel, Captain America Winter Soldier and such <laughs> uh, but of course um, you know with with Endgame they had to bring Infinity War and Endgame they had to bring a lot of characters together Right. so uh, you know of course uh, <laughs> to do that is to bring in some of the directors who have handled them to help out so uh, James Gunn advised McFeely and Marcus on the direction of the Guardians characters in their script uh, but bigger changes were made regarding Thor who was originally written by McFeely and Marcus as the straight man. <laughs> uh, Taika Watiti and writer Eric Pearson helped McFeely and Marcus with the screenplay guiding the pair on Thor's comedic evolution post-Ragnarok. Uh, and also, Dr. Strange filmmaker Scott Derrickson was also kept in the loop by the screenwriters advising on why this is great, this is the way to do this, and no, this is why that'll never work. So that was definitely a smart decision, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now. Number one, Hugo Weaving
0: declined to return to play Red Skull. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cast for Endgame was very much impressive, Uh, especially when you have retired actor Robert Redford and long-absent actress Natalie Portman both making appearances, which we found out uh, she did some voiceover stuff but not much else. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was one actor who the Russos could not coax out of their MCU retirement. That was Hugo Weaving, last seen Mm. in Captain America, the first Avenger. The Red Skull does indeed make cameos in both Infinity War and Endgame. But the actor who originally played the character is replaced by the voice of Walking Dead actor and impressionist Ross Marquin in both films. Uh, Weaving told Collender in 2012, it's not something I want to do again. And he seems to have stuck by his word. Yes, he has. So. It's okay, um, though. uh On that note, uh, I think that wraps it up for
1: us. I believe it does, yes. Any final thoughts? Well, just one. uh, In case you haven't heard, uh, this weekend my partner Chris and I, my friend Chris and I, are uh, going to be recording our 100th episode of our Keepers of the Fringe podcast. Sweet, got some fun stuff. So, uh, thank you. So, tune in to that, kids. That's awesome. We'd really appreciate you
0: listening. Be honest with you, I really don't have anything else. So that's all I got. That's just going to leave us asking one thing. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club?
1: This has been a Weebie Geeks production. From say say Unikitty.